Welcome to It's Alive, a weekly podcast where myself, Stuart Tonks, and my co-host, Matt Green, uh, talk about movies and all the news that's been going on in the last uh, week, and we'll be discussing this week remakes and reboots. So, hi, Matt. Hi, guys, and welcome to the show. Uh, just want to say a big thank you first to everybody that listened to last week's show, uh, the first show. Uh, we've had a very good response to it, so thank you very much for listening. I hope you continue to enjoy the content. Um, so we have movie news to get on to now, Stu. So the first bit of news we have is uh, the Red Band trailer for Only God Forgives has just been released um, from director Nicholas Winding Ref. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. What do you think, Stu? I watched the trailer um, this morning. Um, yeah, uh, obviously he's follow-up to uh, Drive and still got Ryan Gosling starring, who was fantastic in Drive. My my first experience of him as an actor, really. Um no, the, the, it looks great. It doesn't really give a lot of plot away, which is nice, because it's nice to go into a film not really knowing what's going on for once. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Um, I've been following Ryan Gosling's career for quite some years now. Um, I think he's a very good very, very good actor. Um, yeah, I just I love his work. Um, yeah, very much looking forward to it. It looks brutal like Drive as well, so I'm looking forward to that rawness of it. Um, yeah, I've the first film I actually saw Ryan Gosling was Lars and the Real Girl. Um, that might be one of his more unknown films. Um, but yeah, I've really enjoyed that film. So yeah, very much looking forward to it. Great. Yeah. Um, big one for me um, is that the announcement this week, uh, which we knew was coming, Finding Nemo 2, has been given its uh, its full title. And it isn't Finding Nemo 2. It's Finding Dory, uh, which I think is a nice... A nice play it makes it sound like it's a worthy sequel rather than just a rehash. Um, so uh, we should be having fun with that one, I think, in 2015. Um, Andrew Stanton back on board um, directing. Um, and I believe Ellen DeGeneres will be... I'm pretty sure she's going to be reprising the role as Dory as she announced it on her show. And Albert Brooks uh, will be back as uh, Marlin as well. Um as for what's happened to Nemo in the meantime, we don't know. We'll we'll find out in 2015, I suppose. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, last bit of movie news uh, is, yet again, an obituary. We started with an obituary on our very first show, and we've got another one this week. Um, uh, an, an old favourite of mine growing up, uh, Jess Franco, the Spanish director, uh, has died at the ripe old age of 82. Um I, I know you, you you're not really familiar with his. Uh, with I'm his not. Work. No, I know. I know he's very prolific in the movie community, um, especially in the horror movie community. Um, I believe we looked up his titles and he's directed 199, and that's just his listed titles. I, I believe you said he's yeah directed a lot more. Apparently, um, there's a lot of unknown works and works done under different names that probably aren't even on IMDb listings. So. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I found his films, as probably a lot of people my age did, with uh, Vampiros Lesbos, which has got one of the funkiest soundtracks to a horror movie ever. He was a he was a, a, a jazz musician from an early age, um, and uh, he incorporated a lot of the jazz into his films. He was literally making films up until the end of last year, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's not about five more films that he's made, because he did seem to make about, I mean, three three last year. The guy was 82, you know. 
Um, so it, it's it's sad that he's passed. Very very sad. Um, and I just hope people go out and find his films now, um, which were known for, like I say, his crazy jazz soundtracks and uh, strange plotting um, and editing, which not a lot of people you know can get into. But uh, I think some of his uh, his films from the seventies and eighties are definitely um, definitely worth checking out. So. So, so it's once again with sadness that uh, we have an obituary again this week. Let's hope next week we, we don't have to do one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, as promised last week, uh, at the end of our show, we said we were going to discuss remakes and reboots. Um, a controversial subject, I think you'll agree, uh, with many movie fans. Um, so we'll start uh, with a good one, I think, we hope. Uh, which is the upcoming Evil Dead remake, which is out on April the 19th. Yes, uh, very much looking forward to Evil Dead. Um, it's been on one of my uh, you know, most anticipated films, definitely of 2013. Um, Fede Alvarez, like I said like in last week's episode, I've, I've never heard much of him before. I believe this is his Amer- American debut directing. Um, but yeah, very much looking forward to it. It's got the seal of approval from, you know, Ash... <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm all for it now yeah I mean um, Bruce Campbell has done and uh, Fede Alvarez did interviews this week where they, they talked about uh, obviously Army of Darkness 4 well, sorry Evil Dead 4 Army yeah. of Darkness 2 um, and then this this new Evil Dead being a trilogy and the possibility of bringing the franchises together in a final seventh movie what are your thoughts on that? I'll, I'll... I'm pretty excited for that, to be honest. Um, I think it's going to be great and wacky like, uh, you know, Army of Darkness is. Um, yeah, I just can't wait for the zaniness of it, to be honest. <laughs> mm. uh, really looking forward to it. It's, it'll be interesting to see because this film looks very much like the original where it's much more visceral, much uh, more of a horror movie, which the original obviously was a horror movie. Second one, a comedy. Third one, fantasy film. Ray Harryhausen flick, as Bruce Campbell describes it. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this trilogy progresses, obviously, if it's successful. Um, but if they do get to make more, will they go down the same route? Will they, do you think they'll go wacky again? Or Well, I'm hoping they'll keep it to the horror route, because I think that's where Evil Dead lies. Um, but then again, I do enjoy the comedy. I'll, you know, it's just one of those things that you always remember. Um, I think I definitely remember things from Evil Dead 2 more than I do from Evil Dead 1, just for, you know, how funny it was and the memories you have from it. But yeah... You know, you're always going to be scared by Evil Dead. Um, and especially, I think this is going to be a great chance for people who have never seen Evil Dead to, you know, sort of. I noticed a few people on my personal Facebook have actually been going back to see Evil Dead for the first time just due to the remake coming out. So, or the reimagining, rather. Um, so, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where they take this franchise. Um, it looks terrifying. Um, let's just hope it, it doesn't disappoint us in two weeks' time. So, we obviously, we're both looking forward to Evil Dead. Um, but we haven't seen it yet. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, let's talk a little bit about just, just the, the whole sort of um, the business of remakes in Hollywood. Um, it sort of took seemed to take a jump or a sort of in the mid 2000s with everything seeming to be remade um i mean we've got a long list of films most of which we won't be able to touch on today at all um but there was a big um sort of surge with the the horror remakes 
of uh, late 2000s. Um, the first of which I want to talk about today was uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Um, a film that uh, divides many, many people. Um, I don't think there'd been a really good Halloween film. H2O was quite good, wasn't it? It was alright, yeah. Yeah, H2O yeah. was quite good, but the, most of the sequels to the uh, original Halloween, apart from sort of Halloween 2, were, were pretty poor. Um, what You've seen the Halloween, uh, Rob Zombie Halloween? I have, yes. Um, I'm one that actually, I've got mixed emotions on it. I enjoy the first hour, I'd say. Um, I enjoy the backstory of Michael, um, you know, with Dr. Loomis, you know, um, as he was a kid. Um, I really enjoyed that part. Well, that was quite well done myself. Um, obviously, you know, it's a Rob Zombie film because you've got hillbillies. <laughs> but, you know... Um, and I, his wife, yeah, as uh, always. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I actually enjoyed the backstory quite a bit. Um, I thought it was pretty brutal and gritty myself. But after sort of, you know, when he escapes from... Sorry, spoilers here if you haven't seen it, but I'm assuming you have done. Um, but yeah, after he escapes from the asylum, um, I just think it goes downhill from there. Yeah, I've got to agree. I, I thought I didn't go into it with much anticipation, although I am sort of a bit of an apologist for Rob Zombies. I, I do like House of a Thousand Corpses and I love Devil's Rejects. So I sort of thought, well, if someone's going to make it, maybe this is the guy to do it. And I agree. I thought the first hour, the, the bits that wasn't. Uh, part of a, a, a direct remake, if you like, where he was a kid, were the most interesting parts, uh, most interesting characters. Um, the only thing I think about it is that by giving Michael a much more of a character than in the original ones, took a little bit of the scariness away from him when he did become the shape, if you like. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's it's a remake. Um, the the last hour, it sort of took Haddonfield, dirtied it up, um, made it look like, as you say, a Rob Zombie film. I didn't think they needed to do that. I think it was scarier that it was in a nice middle class suburb in the original uh, John Carpenter movie. Um, and I would have preferred to have maybe seen a bit more of that. But um, it was certainly better than the second one. Yeah, <laughs> I hated the second one. Second one, yeah, a, a bizarre take, bizarre that, take. That was a Rob Zombie film. <laughs> it, it wasn't a Halloween film, it was a Rob Zombie film. Absolutely. And of course, straight after that, because, it, you know, no matter what people say, it was a financial success. Of course, what had to come? Friday the 13th. Now, I'm a huge fan of Friday the 13th. Um, I'm sitting here with my Jason mask hanging on the wall. I've got Jason statues in the corner. Um, been a fan of the series since I was 13. When I was actually my 30th birthday, I saw the first, my first Friday 13th, which was bizarrely part two, but uh, <laughs> I went into it in a bit of an odd way. But um, uh, yeah, so in 2009, we had Marcus Nispel's uh, reboot, um, which was supposed to be a remake of the original. Um, uh, it came out. Uh, he directed uh, the Toe Hooper Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, remake um, in 2003, uh, which I thought was a very, very poor, poor film, which we're not even going to really touch on. Um, Friday the 13th, they, they, they wanted to get Jason in as soon as possible. So the whole of the, the first movie was taken up in the first five minutes of the, the, the new one. But this was uh, this was the start of the Michael Bay cycle of remakes, wasn't it? Oh yes. Now that is a whole different episode. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, Michael Bay just shouldn't 
they go anywhere near horror movies. You should just stick to his popcorn action films. Um, but yeah, um, for me, I liked parts of it. Um, I liked the parts where you know he was keeping. Um, can't think of her name right now, but I like the parts where he was keeping the girl underground in his sort of. I don't know what you call it, oh, sort, yeah. of, sort of his chamber or home sort of thing. Um, I like parts of that, but overall, this just doesn't even go anywhere near touching the originals whatsoever, and I don't think it should. No, like I say, uh, like I said with um, the Halloween films, the remakes of um, Friday the 13th, sorry, the sequels of Friday the 13th got progressively worse um up to a point where they couldn't take jason anywhere so they chucked him into space with jason x which i think is a great film on its I own do, yeah it's great and then we had freddy versus jason which i think was the last great friday the 13th movie um although other people say it was the last great nightmare on elm street movie um but uh where freddy only actually has one kill <laughs> does he really yeah he does yeah all oh, right okay um i'll have to rewatch that again yeah. and, and see that um, I remember coming, going to the pub after watching it with a few friends of mine and arguing uh, who'd actually won because I thought Jason had won and my friends had thought Freddie had won. Um, so that I think they they made it well in that respect that it, it, you know it, it sort of it, it played to fans of both of the series. Well, I know Ronnie, you, the director of that film, he he, said, he basically said that the end scene was you know them sort of going off into hell sort of thing <laughs> and that Freddie had ultimately won, but. Yeah, but obviously it's... He cut it's, Freddy's head off. <laughs> but, you know, it's, that that wink at the end. Yeah, it? it was great. It was nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're deviating now from our, uh, our, our talk of the remake. Um, <laughs> I... You know what? I saw it at the cinema and I really enjoyed it at the time because it felt more like a sequel than a reboot and a remake. Um, yeah, they tagged that bit on at the start with uh, the mother... Uh, Mrs. Voorhees having her head chopped off for the umpteenth time, but we'd seen that being done in other Friday the 13th um, sequels, so it wasn't so bad, and I still found it to be more of a more of a, a sequel. Having watched it again recently, yeah, um, it's it's not great, but it's a Friday the 13th film. Is it supposed to be good? Is there some cool kills in it? Yeah, bit too much CGI for me, but you know that's the way of films. So we talked about Freddy there. Uh, yeah. In Freddy vs. Jason, and now we're going to go on to one which I know is something of a bit of a, a bit of a, a bind for you. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. 2010 uh, Samuel Bayer's remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Go on, rant. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go. Um, yeah, basically, the first films that got me into sort of, I don't know, watching a lot of films, I guess. Would be a nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I saw the original uh, probably when I was around fourteen or fifteen. Immediately after watching that, I begged my mum, "Can I order the <laughs> a nightmare on Elm Street uh, box set off Amazon?" I ordered it, got within like two or three days, and I watched them all back to back. And ever since I watched those, I was I was fanatic about a nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, I watched them continuously for months and months, and I absolutely fell in love with them. And then in two was it two thousand ten? Uh, yeah, yeah, two thousand ten. You know, I saw that there was a remake coming out. I thought, because this was even before, you know, sort of they had an actor lined up and things like that. I thought, Robert England, playing him again, maybe. Brilliant. I'd, I would love that. But then I heard that somebody else was doing it and I thought, oh, hold on a minute. You know, is this going to be, you know, another rubbish remake? And uh, and it was. <laughs> yeah. 
It was. I, I've got to be honest. I, I, I really like Jackie Earl Haley. Uh, he played Rorschach in Watchmen. I thought he was fabulous in that film. So I thought, you know, you know, maybe a different take on uh, on on Freddy um, could could be good. It's a bit like when you know Christopher Lee took on the mantle of Dracula after it had been played so wonderfully by Bela Lugosi all those years. We, you know, we're going through our. We've had our Universal horrors, which were our films from the eighties, and now we've got our Hammers. Is yeah. that going to happen again? Yeah. But it didn't, did it? No. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street was an appalling, appalling film. I felt sorry for Jackie Earl Haley and some of the other cast in it because I think the direction and the writing was just so dreadful. The cinematography, the film was so dark. I'm trying to watch it, it's like looking through mud. Um, no, it, 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 I think it's one of the one of the low points um, on uh, on, on uh, the remakes uh, in my mind. Certainly of the horror genre, um, and I'm glad it did so bad at the cinema that we haven't had a franchise come from it, and people still go back to the original Nightmare films. Yeah, which is definitely a testament to Wes Craven that you know people still revisit that film over and over again and a testament to robert england of course who yeah. just embodied the character and uh still lives in conventions yeah. signing and doing amazing uh still you know, out there. chatting to people for long I, I met him a couple of years ago and chatted for a long time with him and uh he did it with everybody he's so such a nice guy welcoming and really loves the franchise uh himself so you know fair play to him it's a pity we couldn't get him back for maybe just one more but you know we can but hope. So, well, there was three uh, horror remakes that um, that weren't successful, um, even if they may have taken money at the box office. I don't think with fans they were thought of as successful. But there obviously has been some really, really good remakes over the years. And I think the one that people refer to in arguments when people say, oh, they shouldn't remake anything, um, is John Carpenter's 1982 The Thing. Um, that itself is a remake of the Howard Hawks 1951 movie The Thing from Another World um, I remember seeing it on VHS when I was about 13 I think I remember my brother had seen it at the cinema and was telling me some of the bizarre things which I just couldn't imagine I was going to watch and I saw it and they did it uh, fabulous special effects uh, by Rob Bottin um, and such a well paced well acted uh, film with a wonderful soundtrack. I can't rage about this film enough. Um, <laughs> I, I I just adore it. I'm a huge John Carpenter fan, a huge Kurt Russell fan. Uh, the special effects were, like I say, uh, just something that you can never replicate with CGI. They're there. They're in a physical space. They're disgusting. Um, they're disgustingly brilliant. <laughs> they are disgustingly brilliant. Um, uh, it came out the same year as E.T., which uh, a lot of people say put, you know, the reason that it did so poorly at the box office, uh, which looking back on now is quite, you know, a bizarre thing to think, but it did. It really, really bombed at the box office. Um, your thoughts on The Thing? The Thing is just testament to John Carpenter, isn't it, basically? Just a phenomenal filmmaker. Um, yeah, The Thing, I actually watched it for the first time, I believe it was two years ago. I brought it on Blu-ray. Um, having never seen it and having hearing about the prequel that was coming out, I thought, you know, good time to check it out. So I watched it. I thought it was phenomenal. I watched it with my wife, who's also a big sci-fi fan. 
Um, I love the atmosphere of the film. I, I love the isolation. I've always been a big fan of isolation films. You know, where you've got this sort of you're stuck there and you, there's nothing. There's no way you can get out. Almost like The Shining. But yeah, I love the thing. I love the whole setting of it. Um, and I do think it's one of the best remakes ever made. I'm sure you'll agree, Stu. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's got to be. It's got to be the best remake in you know that I can think of. Past perhaps Wizard of Oz, which was a remake of an earlier earlier film but you know it, it's uh it's stunning as you say the the landscape and the, the the surroundings are almost as evil as the the creature itself yeah um but then i say evil the creature just wants to get home which was something they when they did the remake um in uh 2011 or the prequel i should say <laughs> um they completely got the they just missed the missed the point they missed the point of of the original film, um, then they they said they were going to use practical effects and it was CGI all over the place. Um, I don't, I really don't want to get started on the, the the prequel because it makes my blood boil. Pretty much the same <laughs> as I think the Nightmare on Elm Street remake does for you. Yeah, um, it's just a cash grab at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's a shame because the people involved in the prequel were spouting for a good year before the release how much it wasn't that, and they wanted to stay true to the special effects of the original and the setting of the original and they just they just botched it yeah um so you know um yeah i think john carpenter was at the height of his filmmaking abilities when he did the thing you know and uh he just come off the back of escape from new york um just 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 a stunning film um so next we'll go to uh, a, a bit later and probably one of the start of the cycle of the remakes uh, in early 2000s, uh, which was the Zack Schneider Dawn of the Dead from 2004. Thoughts? I'm a massive fan of Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Um, it's actually, again, with An Old Man on Street, one of the first films that sort of got me into, you know, the whole filmmaking and, you know, just enjoying films properly, I suppose. And when I, you know, when I first saw Dawn of the Dead, um, the remake, I absolutely loved it. I really did. Um, I thought it was very well done. I think it stayed great to the original story. Um, with also some added extras in there, which I thought was nice. I loved the ending. Um, yeah, I just think it's a great film. I think Ving Rhames does a very good performance in that film, um, as I touched upon last week. Um, yeah, your thoughts, Stu? Um, I'll say two words. Running zombies. <laughs> no, um, no, I liked it. I, I did. I thought there were bits of the film that felt like there were subplots that had been cut out that sort of made it a little bit confusing as the film went on. I didn't like the end. I really? hated the title end title sequence. Oh, awesome. I didn't like that at all. I thought they should have just finished it like the first, the original uh, finished with just the helicopter taking off, and that's it. It's like, oh, wow, what's going to happen now then? That's the point. Um, no, I, I thought it was. A, I thought it was. You know, as a remake goes of such an iconic film from my youth, um, I thought they did a really good job. Um, you know, Tom Savini was in it, <laughs> albeit briefly. Ken Faree was in it, albeit briefly, uh, which was which was always nice to see. Um, and as you say, Sarah Polly was brilliant. Ving Rhames was fantastic. So um, yeah, I think I think on the whole, it was a, a successful film. Um, and I'm just looking here, and it's something I didn't actually know. The screenplay was written by James Gunn, who went on to re uh, to make Slither. I don't know if you've ever seen Slither with Nathan seen that, Fillion. No, I have heard of it. Just a quick sideline there. That's that's uh, a, a great film, and he's uh, about to start 
Well, he's working on Guardians of the Galaxy now for Marvel. Yeah, yeah. And he's directing that. So, so that's uh, I, something I didn't know and just okay. popped up on the screen there. <laughs> so, uh, and then the final one that we've chosen um, as a successful remake um, is Let Me In, which is the uh, remake, the 2010 remake of the Swedish film Let the Right One In. Um, Let the Right One In is actually. Uh, it bumped out The Exorcist as my favourite all-time horror movie when I first saw it a few years ago. Uh, so I was a bit worried about seeing the remake. Um, but I, I thought it was great. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Well, I first saw Let the Right One In at the cinema. Um, I went into it completely blind and I knew nothing of the book previous. I knew nothing of the story, nothing whatsoever. My mate took me, he says, we're going to watch his film, Let the Right One In. I said, okay, we went. I trusted his judgment before because we watched Wreck. I think Wreck was around the same time. And um, I trusted his judgment because I know he, he, he likes the same films that I do. So we went and saw it. I knew nothing of it, like I said. First 20 minutes went by. I thought, well, what are we watching? <laughs> I knew nothing <laughs> of it. And then, it, it, you know, it started kicking in and, you know, all those amazing scenes in that film. And I absolutely loved it. And then, as you said, I was a bit worried about the remake coming out so closely after. And I've got to say... I've got mixed emotions on it because mm. I because I have such a passion for Let the Right One In. I don't know. I think it overshadows Let Me In for me. Um, mm. I don't think there's any need for it. I think you should just open your eyes and read the subtitle myself. <laughs> well, there is that. I mean, and, and some some people say, "Oh, we remake it." And, and reason probably people went to see Let Me In was because they didn't want to sit through uh, Let the Right One In and have to read a film, which really <laughs> annoys me when people say that. But uh, you know, because it's, it's such a stunning film, but I think he, I don't think he did he didn't do that well at the box office. I believe, um, you know, I was just looking down here to see how much he got. Uh, Twenty four million worldwide. No, didn't do well at all. No. Um, so, you know, it, it's a shame. Um, I, but I think there are certain parts of the the plot um, which are off putting to people, uh, especially the father. I'm holding my fingers up in the inverted <laughs> commas thing. The father of the character, um, who's obviously had some kind of relationship, so there's that sort of like the, the, the overtones, the uh, are very uneasy to watch in places. It's a very dark film, I will say that, and, and much more so in the book. Um, but but uh, I think they touched they, the Swedish film handled it better than the American remake. Yeah. Um, but I did think that Chloe Moretz. Uh, He's fantastic in it. Um, and I have got a liking for Cody Smith McPhee for reasons we both know. <laughs> yeah, because he, 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 was, he was fantastic in The Road. Yeah, uh, yeah he was, yeah. And, he, and fantastic in uh, in Let Me In as well. Never quite understood the title change. Why from Let the Right One In to Let Me In. But it sort of it, it didn't make that much sense to change no. the title that way. But... Um, no, it, it, I still think it is one of the better remakes. It's if you've not seen the original, seek it out. Watch, watch it first. Yeah, watch, watch it I'll first, then watch the Swedish version. Um, I I would describe it as a as a great cover version of a brilliant song, um, and I don't see why you know remakes can't be like that if they if they're done right. Yeah. So, uh, but overall, it doesn't actually add anything to the first film. I wouldn't say. No, it doesn't. It doesn't really. Now I think so they 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 changed the, the the plotting of it a little bit, which I did find that worked. Um, I won't I won't go into details because I don't want to spoil it for people. Because yeah. 
it's not a very well seen film so um they they did change some of the the, the the plotting of it and they changed the scenes around and i thought they were better in the american but i think overall the shock factor of the original one it just stays with you a lot definitely, more definitely definitely Right, so we've got to touch on the truly, truly awful. I mean, we did mention Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street earlier, but I don't think they were truly, truly bad, bad movies. They were bad movies, but not the truly awful that you can get from from remakes. Um, And Matt and I sort of argued in our discussion about what we were going to include in this. Um, I had my, um, my thoughts of the worst remake of all time, Matt had his thoughts. Matt, what was your thought? My first thought was Psycho, straight away. Um, the 1998 Psycho, um, directed by Gus Van Sant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Vince Vaughn trying to play Norman Bates. It For me, it just doesn't work whatsoever. What a mismatch of characters there. Just That just completely doesn't work whatsoever. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on it, mate? Um... I, I only saw it once. I caught it on TV. It was a film that I just really... I mean, I'm a huge fan of the uh, the Hitchcock original. Uh, I've got it on Blu-ray. If you haven't got it on Blu-ray, get it. It looks stunning. Um, so, I and I'd heard it was shot for shot, uh, which, you know, an unusual way of doing a remake because most people try to bring something extra to it. But this was shot literally shot for shot. Um, so I went into it. It was on TV. I watched it. I quite enjoyed it. Oh. <laughs> um, but I would never watch it again. Yeah, I thought it was a great experiment in remake. Now, I read an interview with Gus Van Sant a few, good few years ago, whether this was true or whether it was him just trying to apologise for what he did. But he said that he remade Psycho. When asked why he remade Psycho, he said, so nobody else will. Which I think is the best thing you could have said. <laughs> <laughs> it is probably, you know, the the, the, the best thing, yeah. It's, it's, it's probably a great get-out-of-jail clause. Yeah. Um, because it, it wasn't great. And you, you're right, the the, um, the, 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 the the casting was, was dreadful. Uh, Vince Vaughn, I know you don't like him, I quite like him. Um, he was no... Anthony Perkins. Definitely not. Hey, Anthony Perkins was so nuisanced in the original film. Uh, you, you watch it again now and you, you see the little little glints in his eyes and the way he delivers certain lines. It's just such an amazing performance. Uh, but yeah, so that is, yeah, that's your, yeah, that, your that's choice. That's definitely my choice, yes. Right, now my choice for the worst remake of all time is Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes from 2001. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> where can I start with this abomination of a film? Um, the good, Tim Roth, fantastic. The makeup, stunning. Some of the best uh, makeup that Rick Baker ever did. Um, where can I? Where can uh, I start with the bad? How long have we got? <laughs> we we did a 50 minute uh podcast last week i could do that on how much i hate this film but i won't um the good as well michael clark duncan you know who, who we lost last year yeah. um fabulous terrifying uh the bad mark Wahlberg. <laughs> 
he was so wooden in that film. I thought somebody chucked a chair into the room when he walked <laughs> on screen. Um, Tim Burton, who made it all Tim Burtony and horrible and vile. But I think the the, the worst thing is, apart from the, I'm not even going to go near the ending. Um, the the worst thing is that the original was so iconic. It's like Psycho. The original so iconic. Why make a remake when it doesn't? It doesn't even merit a remake. No, it doesn't add anything. The makeup in the original films, yes, they're men in masks, but they're still completely believable. And it still holds up. It still holds up. They're fantastic. Um, it just brought nothing apart from slapstick humour and a dreadful, dreadful take on the end. How can you change the end to the, possibly the most iconic ending uh, since Citizen Kane in film history? would be the revelation and then they changed it and had a monkey abraham lincoln <laughs> i'm sorry that's the end of the film if you haven't seen it don't it's i'm not spoiling anything for you it is in my eyes one of the worst movies ever made um and i've seen a lot of rubbish um so that and, it, and it's strange for tim burton to produce something so terrible you know it took me a long time to forgive him it really did um I think Sweeney Todd was the first of his films afterwards that I actually liked. Um, but he's still all weirdy, weirdy Tim Burton. Um, you know, a big fan of Beetlejuice. Yeah. The original yeah. two Batman films, think are great. Edward Scissorhands I love. And then you go to watch Planet of the Apes and it's like being kicked in the teeth <laughs> by an old friend. Definitely. Uh, so the last one we'll very, very quickly touch on. Um, yeah, we both agreed on this one, I think. We both we? agreed on this as A, probably the most pointless remake, and B, the most bizarre remake, and that was the 2006 Nicolas Cage starring The Wicker Man. <laughs> now, I've got to be honest, and I'll stand up, I have not seen the whole movie. I think I got 30 minutes into it and realised that at some point I'm going to die. <laughs> and I don't want to watch the rest of this film. Um, I've seen some of his performances on cut down bits in YouTube on YouTube, um, which are hilarious. If you want to see Nicolas Cage go uh, crazy eyes, uh, just go on YouTube and watch it. Just don't watch the whole movie. Uh, the most pointless remake, surely. Definitely. Um, I've seen the whole film. I sat through the whole thing. I actually really like. You know, I've said this before earlier in the podcast. Plus, I said that I, I like isolation films, so this is obviously an isolated film. And um, I actually like settings like that. Like I said to you earlier, The Village um, was mm. another film, which is sort of similar, sort of, you know, uh, sort of a tribe outside the usual world. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that whole setting, and I thought, you know, I'll give it a chance. And, oh, God, <laughs> where do I begin? Um, but, yeah, um, Nicolas Cage, you know, is... He's like a rat in a cage, isn't he? Just dying to get out every single film. Um, Twelve times it, are crazy in that yeah. film, isn't he? <laughs> he's like a bag of nails. But, yeah, um, Nicolas Cage, his usual performance, you know, mental, um, just a mental performance. But, yeah, it, it really falls short of the original. And there's, like we said before, there's no need for it whatsoever. It's pointless. It really is. Because the, the original still holds up. Yeah, I mean... Um... The original has been described to me as the scariest film I've ever seen. Uh, I I saw it in my late twenties, early thirties, and thought it was a bit funny. Um, you know, 
people singing songs about willies. I think we can say that on a PG show. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, directed by Neil Labute, who's he's done some great films. Um, Lakeview Terrace is a great film, and The Company of Men's a great film. Um, and then he's made this, and oh, I bet he wishes he could take his name off it. It is, it is just a pointless, pointless remake. Nicolas Cage is no Edward Woodward, um, who, who I must admit, stunned in that film. Christopher Lee was in the original. How can you replace Christopher Lee as exactly. Lord Summer Isle? Um, no, I, I think we can we can all agree that it is the most pointless remake. And I urge any of you that haven't seen it to thank your lucky stars and just keep it that way. Watch the original. Okay, so looking forward to future remakes that uh, that are coming out over the next. 12 to 18 months, I suppose. Um, the first one we're going to touch on is actually had a, a, a release in this country, but it was a very, very small release and yet to hit DVD and Blu-ray. And that's the remake of Maniac. Um, the original film I only discovered uh, last year for the first time, a uh, film I'd wanted to see for years, mainly because of the fantastic Tom Savini special effects, which are incredibly gory uh, and very realistic um but I, I was kind of intrigued uh with this film mainly because um uh, the, the writer alexandra aja who did uh switchblade romance which uh oh, actually i think i'm wearing my switchblade romance t-shirt yes i am right film <laughs> fabulous film and uh the casting of elijah wood which uh very different to joe spinell from the uh the the, the original um and the fact that they've shot it in first-person perspective, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, I mean, Elijah Wood, a lot of people were slating that just, you know, down to his Lord of the Rings performances. I think he's always going to be remembered for that. But not a lot of people remember him for his Sin City appearance, where he also played a serial killer. So he's done that sort of role before, and I think he played it very, very well as, you know, as the cannibal in Sin City. Um, yeah, I think he's actually quite a wise choice, in my opinion. Um yeah, I think I think uh, having someone who's got that sort of, you know, the audience have got that knowledge of. It's nice to subvert that, yeah, to yeah. show them in a in a in a different different light. Uh, I think it makes it more creepy yeah. in a way. Yeah. And I thought, as you say, I thought he worked superb in Sin City. Um, he was a nasty little character and uh, and almost unstoppable in places. So so yeah, it's 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 one that's definitely on uh, on my list uh, with, for upcoming um, remakes. Um, I don't think many people uh, were probably aware of the original film. It was banned in the UK for many, many years. So um... it does have a very big cult following in the horror movie community. I know that much, and I think that's why it had a lot of outcry when they heard it was going to be remade. So yeah, um, I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic about it. So I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so we're optimistic about Maniac. Are we optimistic about RoboCop the remake? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> no, because of some of the pictures I've seen so far of the suit. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of the suit personally. Um, what what do you think of the suit? Um, it's it. We're we're living in the age of um, Batman Begins, Dark Knights, <laughs> uh, that sort of style. He, uh, Iron Man. I think that you know a lot of comparisons are that it is a black Iron Man suit. Um, no, I, I'm not a. I, I think the original suit, although it is sort of iconic in films now, 
It's not the greatest suit ever. It's a bit silly. The way he walks is a bit silly, but it was the Paul Verhoeven's direction and the nasty nature of the film and the real dark take on it that, that made that film so brilliant. Yeah. Um, this has got a great cast. What can I say? It does, you know, it I mean, does have an entourage of cast, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, Sam Jackson, Gary Oldman, Michael Keaton, Jackie Earl Haley we mentioned earlier. Um, some fabulous, fabulous actors. Um, but am I looking forward to it? I, I can't say I am. I don't think they're going to live up to the, the original at all with this one. The amount of B-movie sequels that came after as well, it just really dulled down the whole franchise for me. I am a proud owner of Cyborg Cop 1 and 2. <laughs> what can I say? Um, no, it's, it, you know, we, we'll see more. Hopefully they will get a, a trailer in the next few months, I think. And, uh, I suppose we're going to have to wait till, uh, till next year now, but, uh, it's one of those ones that should they remake it? Shouldn't they remake it? I think the original holds up very, very much to this day. Like you said, personally, I think it should be left alone. I, I, I've got to be honest. I do too. Um, and the last one we did talk about last week on the show, um, is the, uh, the remake uh, by, directed by Gareth Edwards of Godzilla. Now, it comes obviously uh, after the Roland Emmerich Dean Devlin debacle, um, <laughs> which I think we'll all we'll all just try to forget about. Um, we've got a screenplay by Frank Darabont and a story by David Goya. Can this go wrong? Well, it can in a number of respects. Um, as one of the big things I switched about last week was the CGI. Um, mm. The overdoing of it, the getting it right, and you know, good CGI, like you said. Um, yeah, but so far the cast has been pretty, pretty decent. I mean, we've got Aaron Taylor Johnson, who you might know from Kickass. Um, we've got Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad, Elizabeth Olsen, who was actually wasn't she in a film called Marcy? I can't remember the name of that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I believe she's up and coming as well. Um, I believe that's the sister of the Olsen sisters, is it? Yeah, I believe yeah. she's, uh, yeah, yeah, she's one of the Olsen girls. Yeah. She's the young, younger sister of them. Yes, and I believe she's actually a pretty good actress, so I've heard. Um, she's also going to be in the Old Boy remake, yeah. which I've just seen on there as well. So, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, but, yeah, um, she's pretty good as well. So, yeah, it's a decent-looking cast by the looks of it. Ken Wanatabi as well, who was, uh, I loved in Last Samurai. An absolutely fantastic actor. And Juliet Binoche as well. Um, yeah, I think... Thing from, from reading things with Gareth Edwards and that Frank Darabont has said, they really want to take this in a different direction. Um, but at least we won't have Godzilla babies. Yeah. Um, well, so. Frank Darabont has already proved you know we can do a monster <laughs> over the mist. So yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That, that was very well executed. Oh, the Amazing. One of the, we'll, we'll have another show. Of the <laughs> most, most depressing films ever made, I think. I've got quite a few. <laughs> yeah, that, that, the Mister definitely go on the yeah. go on the list. So, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I'm I'm keeping trying to keep up to date as with as much as going on with Godzilla. Obviously, we'll bring you more as uh, news gets released in forthcoming podcasts. Um, but I, I think I think it's one to watch. I think it could be huge. Um, so so we'll 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 see how that goes, Matt. I think. Uh, I think, like I say, one to watch. Yeah. Right, so uh, very quick uh, catch up with the TV that we mentioned uh, last weekend. Um, we had the uh, premiere, well, the mid-season premiere of Doctor Who on Saturday. We had the final episode of Walking Dead 
um, season three on Sunday, and also Game of Thrones season premiere season three uh, on Sunday as well. Um, I just start off a little bit about Doctor Who. I think if you heard last week how excited I was. Um, am I as excited after watching the first episode? I hate to say it, but no. Um, I found it a very flat episode, especially the way they'd built up the character of Clara Oswald. Um, it was quite exciting to see Richard E. Grant uh, as the Great Intelligence back again, which I'm sure they're, they're gearing up for something big towards the end of this season. Um but I just felt the episode was a little bit flat. There was a lot to enjoy, as always. Um, Matt Smith's performance was superb, as usual. Um, I, ju I just, I don't know. I, I, I felt compared to the episodes of the earlier part of uh, of this season, it was just a little bit, bit low key, and maybe that's what they were aiming for. This week's episode, once again, from the trailer, looks superb. So. We'll we, see. We've still got that. Was it fiftieth anniversary episode coming up? Yeah, the fiftieth anniversary. There's been some news this week. The Zygons are back uh, for the first time since the seventies. Um, David Tennant is definitely in it, and there's been photos of him with Matt Smith at the the uh, the script read through. Um, so that I, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm, I would like to stay <laughs> spoiler free for the fiftieth anniversary, and I'm sure that they will keep a lot of the spoilers out of the out of the press anyway. So. Uh, um so yeah uh so walking dead yeah walking dead uh as we said before it, it was the uh season finale of uh the walking dead season three <clears throat> uh yeah um for me personally and i know quite a few other people um this season finale fell short um yeah i, I can't go into that revealing too no. much i don't want to reveal any spoilers so yeah, um, for me it just fell short. Um, I know I think they changed the story at the end. Um, I believe I'm not. I don't know too many details on that, but I do believe that the ending was changed not long before it was released. Um, but yeah, it it just fell short for me, and I, I think it did for you too, Stu. Yeah, it did. I th although I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, yeah. It feels like there's another one next week to come. Yeah. Now maybe that's what they were trying for to leave us sort of there. There wasn't a resolution. It doesn't always have to be a resolution, but I did think that you know the the end of season um, season two and the end of season one just just stood up a lot better than this one. Yeah, I actually felt like it was more of an end of a movie myself. Mm. I thought it was like the end of a trilogy almost, and that it could actually just be left there, you know, the survivors in there. But don't the spoil time, it. I, I don't know. No, no spoilers. It, no. <laughs> um, but yeah. It was one of those, wasn't it? You know, we, it's still fantastic. It's not going to take away from how brilliant it was. I just think people sometimes, maybe you know, and, and us included, sometimes want a little bit of a a big boom to yeah. leave us with yeah. that we go, oh, I can't wait till November. But it didn't really. But we did have the first episode of Game of Thrones season three, which I think will, I think universally agreed was just back to. As it was before, stunning. Yeah, we're back to the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, I wasn't, you know, expecting a big action-packed episode. Generally, the start of the seasons are, you know, pretty slow moving. But you know, it 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 took us beyond the wall, obviously, with uh, Jon Snow. And I thought that was very well done. Yeah, I think um, it, it was a nice episode. It reintroduced the characters or a lot of the characters, um, and just drove the story forward. Um, once again, although it has been broadcast in the UK, we will try to keep away from spoilers. 
uh, for anybody who's uh, Sky plus it uh, and yep. wants to watch it in, uh, in in a few episodes at a time. Other video recorders are available, of course. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're just going to uh, round off now, really. Um, one of the features um, that we, we were asked to do um, by, by a couple of uh, listeners was um, concentrate on a movie a week. Now, we did discuss this before, Matt, um, and we were going to concentrate on a movie that one, one of us or neither of us had actually seen before. And we've decided this uh, for the next uh, episode. Uh, there's a film that neither of us have watched, which surprisingly is Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. Um, so we're going to sit down sometime over the next week. Yeah, yeah. Watch this film, which is regarded as a very, very important movie, and uh, and we'll 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 discuss that next week. Well, yeah, this is actually a movie challenge as well from my other YouTube friend. Um, so yeah, he's he's sort of watched a movie that I challenged him to watch and. He challenged me to watch his film, and then we fought both together. That we'll both do that as well. So that seems like the perfect time to both watch the film. Yeah, and it sort of introduces this segment that we we want to do. Uh, I know there's a lot of movies that you love that I've not seen. There's yeah. a lot of movies that I love that you've not seen. Some of them, listeners, will surprise you with Matt. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. The ones he mentions, I've never heard of, but the ones I mention, yeah, you're gonna be shocked. <laughs> but we'll leave that for a future episode. Yes. Um, so uh, so that was great. Next week, we're going to be discussing the top 10 cult movies to see before you die. We thought we could do a top 10 movies of all time, but I think if we do them in sections like top 10 sci-fi, top 10 uh, action movies, things like that in future episodes, I think it'd be uh, give us a much broader scope. Yes. Yeah, so uh, next week, we're going to be discussing the top 10 cult movies to see before you die. Okay then guys, so we've got a few thank yous to say before we end the show. Um, first of all, a big thank you to Futurilla for hosting the podcast. Big thank you to Agents of Evolution for creating music for the show. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, if you want to follow us on our Twitter account, which is now active, or alive, it's uh, <laughs> you can follow us at It's Alive Show. Um, you can also look up Matt's YouTube channel um, at Matticus Tattooey. If you search that on YouTube, you'll find it very easy. And we'd also really, really like to thank uh, all the people that listened to the uh, the first episode and are hopefully listening to this one. Um, we really had such an enormous response that we did not expect uh, in any way, shape or form and which has allowed us to come back this week, do this show and we'll hopefully continue on into the future. So thank you, thank you so much. Do get in touch with us on the Twitter account. If there's anything you'd like us to talk about, anything you'd like us to focus on, we will, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to anything. We will do our best to reply to anybody that does send us any messages, of course. So thank you, Matt. And thank you, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, hopefully we will see you again next Friday where we will be discussing those uh, top 10 cult films to see before you die. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.